Hey, well, my name is Ben Dixon, and I serve as a lead pastor here at Northwest Church. If you're a guest at Ignite Revival Gathering, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., we're glad that you're here. It's good to see everybody tonight, worship and pray with you. I want to share a few thoughts. I really didn't plan on this, but something came to my heart, and I have to share it with you. It's not just for me, and, and uh, I don't have a sermon, although it tends to happen. But I want to, I want to share something with you, and even as I was sitting down here tonight, I... Um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit want, not only wants to lead us, but wants to, t- to touch our lives supernaturally. I, I really felt like touching our hearts and our minds and our lives with, the, with his presence, the power of his presence. And this thought came to me, he, he wants us to be consumed with his presence. God wants us to have a focus, uh, an utter focus, wherever before us it is him that we're looking to. It is him that we're long, longing for. God wants us to be consumed with his presence. You know, in our world today, we're consumed with so many things, so many voices, so many things we're looking to and listening to and staring at and waiting for. And God is calling us to be consumed with his presence. How many of you have been consumed with the presence and the person of God before in your life? And maybe you are even right now. I was thinking in my mind about times uh, going back in my life with the Lord, how many times that God would lead me into such a place. And I was just thinking about a time where I would, I used to sit on the floor and read the Bible. I, uh, I don't know why I did it, but for like a year, I would always sit on the floor and read the Bible. I didn't want to even sit on a chair and a desk. I didn't want to Uh, It was just a weird time where I wanted to be low. I I wanted to be on my knees. I wanted to be on the floor. And I would experience the presence of God when I would sit on the floor and read his word. And, and, And I'm not much of a crier or anything like that, but I would cry. Like tears would come to my eyes and I would think about people that weren't saved and I would, honestly, I would think about people that didn't know Jesus and all of a sudden something would come over me and it was the presence of God. And he would meet me on the floor. And the silly thing that I would do is just sit there on the floor of my bedroom and he would, he would meet me right there, you know. I wasn't waiting somehow uh, for him to do something spectacular. I wasn't even asking for it. He just would. He just would show up, you know. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to do the same thing all the time with, with our lives. You know, whether you're on the floor in your chair, I mean, that's not, you know, my point. Don't misunderstand me tonight, but there's something special about that, that place where we're consumed with his presence. You know, there are a lot of things that are grabbing your attention. You don't have to raise your hand and say amen, but there are a lot of things right now that are lobbying for our uh, affection and trying to give us our instruction and our marching orders and There's a passage I want to share with you. You might know this. It's in the book of Numbers. I'm going to go there again. I've been thinking about this, and it just came to me today. God was teaching Israel in the wilderness so many things. I mean, we could just spend the whole rest of the year on Wednesday nights just talking about the lessons that God was trying to get through to his people. Did you know right now God is trying to get through to us? He's trying to teach us some lessons right where we are. And he doesn't want us to misunderstand them. You know, for somebody to ask us the question, what is God teaching us? We may not exactly know, but be sure of this. He's teaching you something. He's always instructing us. He's always bringing us along and bringing us through and bringing us out of and bringing us into. He's always working toward his will in our lives, wanting us to not be ignorant of it. 
And he was doing that with Israel time and again. We've read some of these lessons. I talked to you about how he was bringing them to a place of gratitude rather than grumbling. He was trying to bring them to a place where they would see God and not the lack of a thing that they had, but they would see that they had the one who possessed everything. They may have had, had lack. They didn't have water. They didn't have food, but they were following one who actually possessed everything. And he was constantly teaching them these lessons. And there's another lesson that's kind of interesting to me. Two years into the wilderness, and they're walking around the mountain. Can you picture this? Walking around the same mountain for years. Everybody say years. That's not days, ladies and gentlemen. For years, two years, two and a half years, they're in the wilderness now. They've seen God do many things. They've also learned some very serious lessons at this point. They've got a lot more to go. And in Numbers chapter 9, the Lord wanted to teach them something, and he begins to by showing them his presence in a particular way. The Bible talks about the presence of God being a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Anybody heard this before? It is the cloud by day, it's the Shekinah of God, the glory of the Lord, his presence, his manifest, tangible presence. And he wanted to help his people prioritize his presence. And so in Numbers chapter 9, they would set up the tabernacle. They were mobile. They were a mobile people. They were a mobile church. And so they would set up the tabernacle for however long God wanted them to be in a certain place. And then whenever God said, break camp, they would have to go through this routine of bringing, taking up all this stuff again and all these families and then move as far as God would have them to go and then stop where God would have them to stop and then set up camp again. Well, he was teaching them something about his presence, and I want to read this passage to you because it's, it's an interesting one. Here's what it says, Numbers chapter 9 and verse 15. The Bible reads, Now on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the taber tabernacle until, until morning. Now, think about this. Sometimes we say cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. It was a cloud by night, but it looked like fire. It looked like fire. It wasn't just fire. It's a cloud day and night, but it's saying right here that it looked like it had the appearance of fire. Now, I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, but that's an interesting thought. It had the appearance of fire. It, it was the Shekinah of God. It wasn't fire. It was the glory of the Lord. So it was continuously, the cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was lifted from over the tent, the tent of meet, meeting, the tabernacle where God's presence was, that holy place was, where God dwelt, whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, afterward the sons of Israel would then set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the sons of Israel would camp. At the command of the Lord, the sons of Israel would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud settled over the tabernacle, they remained camped. Even when the cloud lingered over the tabernacle for many days, the sons of Israel would keep the Lord's charge and not set out. If sometimes the cloud remained a few days over the tabernacle, according to the command of the Lord, they remained camped. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. You, you understand what's happening here. The cloud would lift and go. They would follow. The cloud would remain. 
If sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, when the cloud was lifted in the morning, they would move out. Or if it remained in the daytime or at night, whenever the cloud was lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel remained camped and did not set out. But when it was lifted, they did set out. Last, last verse here. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the Lord's charge according to the command the Lord gave through Moses. God would speak through Moses and tell them it's time for us to go. And then they would visibly see the glory begin to move. And I think this is a very powerful picture because, again, there's a lesson that God's trying to teach Israel. And I think it's helpful for us to think through this even just a, a, little, a little bit. And the first thought that I had from this passage that I think we can glean from is we need to focus on God's presence, what God is saying to us, where God is directing us, what God wants us to be consumed with is his presence and his person and his voice and his plan. We have to be consumed with it. And I want you to picture the people of Israel day and night watching the cloud. There was this mark of God's presence that was tangible. Imagine it just lifting over us right now, just over and above all of us. And everywhere we go and everything we do, we constantly would look at the cloud wondering, is this the time to move? Is God doing something? Are we to keep staying here? They, they would have this tangible mark in their camp, always helping them to see that God was either with them or God was moving them on. Why would God do something like this? God was teaching them to listen to him and to follow him at all times. And he did it in such a, such a visible, tangible way that they would, be, they would make no mistake about it. Why would he do that? Think about the days ahead for Israel. They needed to do all the things that God told them to do. God told them to march around Jericho. He told them to march around a city for six days, and on the seventh day, he wanted them to yell at a 15-foot thick, basically concrete rock wall. Yell at the wall and watch what the Lord will do. Today is the day of salvation. That sounds ridiculous, but if you've had years in the wilderness of following a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and by the word of the Lord, you break camp, and then you set camp, and you break camp, and you set camp. You learn how to listen and follow God, and that's what he wanted them to learn how to do. God wants to teach us how to follow him, how to hear him, how to listen to his voice and obey him. Friends, anybody can hear the voice of God, but not everybody is listening for the voice of God. And even for those that are listening to the voice of God, not everybody is discerning God's voice when he's speaking. Even when we just open the book and we can see what it's, what it's saying. He does not want us to be confused about who we are, about who he is, about what he's doing, about where he's going. He wants us to be consumed with his presence, having a daily life where we're constantly looking to God. What are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you moving? And how am I following you today? He wants us to be consumed with his presence. And I don't just mean goosebumps, amen. I'm not talking about, I just want to feel something. You know, God, I just want to feel something and stand under the spout where the glory comes out and then I'll go back to my real life and then come back when I need another little dip, you know. 
That's not what he, he's not looking for that. There's too, far too many Pentecostals that are just interested in an encounter with nothing else that follows. He's not trying to get us to a place where we're addicted to a feeling. He wants us to follow. Followership is far more important than leadership. And the principles of followership are not complicated. Anybody can do it. Fishermen can do it. Tax collectors who have given up on their people can do it. You and I can do it. Lonely pastors from Federal Way can do it. I'm not lonely. Why are you staring at me? What's your name? I'm just... That's legal. I can, I can do that. Have you ever gone on a road trip with kids? Somebody said, oh, yeah. You ever, you ever gone on a road trip with kids? I mean, just want you to think about this. Like, you get all this stuff in the car, too much stuff, a lot of stuff you don't need to take. You don't need to take all this stuff. You fill all these bags. You put all this stuff in the car. You get ready to go. You're five minutes down the road. I got to go to the bathroom. Where are we going? Are we there? And that's where you wish you had that limo glass that slides up. Insulation, all that. Uh, now we just give them ear, earphones and t televisions. I'm not hating. I'm just, or judging. <laughs> just give them an iPad. That'd be fine. But you get all that in there, and then you got to make a stop, like, real quick, because somebody didn't use the rest. I mean, it's like you, you get all this stuff together, and then you, you're constantly stopping. I mean, these guys... I was thinking about how Israel had to get all, they had to take up all the tent of meeting. They had to take up all their camps. They had to take up all their tents, all their utensils, everything they're cooking with when the cloud began to move. Their whole life had to be consumed with being on the move. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you feel that way in your life as it pertains to following the person of God? What, what, what burdens us? What, what slows us down? What causes us to be resistant or to be hesitant we, we, we want the voice of God, but if the voice of God comes with that clarity, all of a sudden, guess what happens? We're accountable. Sometimes I tell people, don't you dare pray that God speaks to you if you're not ready. Because if the voice of God comes clearly to you, like, I want a real clear prophecy from God, the minute you get that word, you're accountable for it. So you've got to be careful what you're asking for. That's why it's not a good thing to always want a prophecy. You shouldn't always want a prophecy, amen. Sometimes I take a step back. I'm not ready. I don't want a prophecy. I don't care prophesy, man or woman. I'm not, I don't need a prophecy all the time. Sometimes I need the grace to fulfill the word that I already have. If I haven't learned to follow the cloud, then I need the grace of God to learn how to follow the cloud of what I already know and where he's already taking me. I don't want to live in disobedience. I don't want to live in a lack of fulfillment. I want to fulfill what God is saying. I want to learn how to follow the cloud in my life. And there are things that are undone. There are incomplete assignments on our lives. There are things that God has said he wants us to attend to, and there's something of a blessing of God on the other end of that. But oftentimes, we're seeking something else, another cloud. Clouds that have no water. We seek these clouds that are not the cloud, the Shekinah, the glory, the presence, the voice of the living God. We in our day can get consumed with following other clouds, and they are not the, the glory of the Lord. They're not. God wants us to be consumed with him, consumed 
where we'll sit on the floor and we'll put our Bible out for an hour and lose track of time and say, oh God, what do you want to do in my life? What are you saying to me, Lord? I just want to know. I'll be here all night if I have to. I'll stay here as long as I need to. I'm not going to follow another cloud. I'm not going to sit before just another person. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you have to say. I'm longing for you. I'm invested into this. You say, Pastor Ben, what does God want for Northwest Church? He wants to consume us. He wants us to be like Israel, constantly looking. What's God doing? Where's God going? How's he calling me to obey and follow? That's what he's after right now. So many of us, we're becoming experts. You know, today it's like we're becoming experts at all these natural things. But spiritually, I wonder if we're losing our ability to hear and follow the voice of the living God. In the midst of all the other things we're becoming experts about today. You know, I'll be, I'll be candid. There are a lot of things that I begin to give my time to. I mean, I slated all these books, you know. I was like, man, I got to get really knowledgeable about politics in this season. So I just started banging through all these books, you know. And at the end of it, I just felt like I was losing something of my focus. So then I started reading revival stories again, and something started to happen to me. You know, whew, this is Ben Dixon's coming back. Because I'm not that, you know, like, I mean, I want to be knowledgeable in all this and some of these things and these matters that we're focused on today. Don't misunderstand me. Some people have an anointing for some things, but my anointing is not that, you know. And so every time I feel a pressure as somebody tries to put that on me, I'm like, I'm not that, you know, and you need to know who you are. You've got an anointing too from God and you got to follow that cloud in your life. What is he saying to you? What is he wanting us to be consumed with? Often other people are putting these other pressures and wanting us to follow these other clouds in our lives, and that's not what God is doing in our life. And I had to recognize and realize that and stop feeling deficient at all these other things. I'm not an expert in everything. I won't be, but I want to be, be great at discerning and following the voice of God. If I'm good at anything in my life, don't you want to be good at that? I want to be good at following his voice, knowing when Jesus is speaking. And being humble enough to recognize it and, and bow to, to King Jesus. I shared with you weeks ago, I don't remember when it was, but I was thinking about how the Bible called Israel on multiple occasions. Different people would say it, but a stiff-necked people. An obstinate people, a stiff-necked people. I was thinking about a neck brace. You know, you put a neck brace on, you can't move. You're like, some of you have done that before. You, get, you hurt your neck, you know, and you can't, there's no flexibility in that. And so it, it, it hinders your ability to move quickly, especially. You're not agile anymore. You're hindered. You're, you're restricted. And so somebody talks to you. You don't even know where it's coming from. You're like, huh? And the people could mess with you, too. Somebody over here, somebody over there. It ain't funny. <laughs> you know, they just, you, you wouldn't do that to me, though. You're not, you can't move. That's the reality. And, and, and you're in this position. But you don't want to be in that position just because you do it to get healed. That's why you would put yourself up like that. But a stiff-necked people, immovable, unable to change and change direction, that was not a healthy thing. God saying that about his people, this stiff, through Isaiah the prophet, the stiff-necked people. It, what he meant was they, they can hear, but they don't follow. They can hear, but they don't follow. Jesus would say, Scary things in my mind. Luke chapter 6, he would say, You call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say. 
Have you ever thought about that verse? That's a, I mean, we kind of think about the other people, you know. (laughs) We sort of read that verse for other people because everyone else needs the interpreter of that. He's, you call, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? See, we, call, we say something about you, but we don't follow. See, we've got we've to be really good at following the cloud, following his presence. We need to focus on his presence. The second part of this was God is, is always teaching us what it really means to follow. It, it, he's maturing us in this right now. It's not just compulsive. When we're young in the Lord, it's, it's always like, what does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? You know, <laughs> And we realize it's a weightier thing than just a compulsive uh, thought or an exciting venture. He calls us to costly things, weighty things. Sometimes there's a word of God, and when it comes upon you, you can feel it. It carries a weight to it. The glory of the Lord, it's, it, it, when God drops a word on us, that carries, it's attached to his glory, his presence, there's a weight that, that comes upon us. If we're weighted down by the world, we won't discern it properly. Jesus would say, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. He would say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sometimes people preach that verse to try to make people feel better therapeutically, but recognize what it says his burden. He still has a burden. It feels like something. He still has a yoke he wants us to take up. He doesn't just want us to not have anything on our shoulders. He wants us to have his burden on our shoulders. But if we have the burdens of everything else, we won't even know the difference. And so what we're talking about tonight is that to be consumed with other voices and to be consumed with other things and to have our attention be drawn away by something less The effect on our lives is detrimental. It's detrimental. Tell me you know this. We're watching it happen. Sometimes we're watching it happen to our lives, our own lives. And we don't want this to be the case. We have to understand right now, God is teaching every person in this room to follow him right now. He is teaching you how to follow him. In some situation of your life, he's absolutely doing that. Are we discerning that? Are we seeing it? Are we making sure to follow where he's taking us and what he's saying in our, in our lives? We have to. He's raising us up to maturity where we can bear up under that and walk it out together with him. That's the joy of, of our Christian life is to know his presence and to walk with him closely so that everything he puts in our hearts to do, we will walk it out and fulfill it. I mean, I love holding babies. Uh, I don't know where Jandy, somewhere around here, but little Isaiah, you know, there's other little babies around here. I love holding them. So cute, you know. And they can receive love and affection. But if I were to talk to them about, hey, could you go to the store and uh, buy me some ice cream right now? So I'm really feeling that. They can't receive any instructions at all, right? They can receive love, but they can't receive any instructions that level of maturity can only receive something for themselves. I mean, people say, oh, well, they give so much love. I mean, that's debatable. But with my illustration, they can receive something, but they can't give. 
But the goal is to parent them up in maturity so that they can receive instructions and they can also give back. They can contribute. God wants to raise us up. If all we can do is receive love right now from God, that's great. God loves us. He wants us to receive his love, but he wants to give us a lot more than his love. Amen? God wants to give us some instruction. God wants to give us some weighty words. He, he wants to look us in the face and say, I've created you to have a life where you can accomplish great things and influence a ton of other people and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, but you've got to be able to grow up, hear what I'm saying, and follow me without any shame, guilt, condemnation. You've got to grow up. We're talking about growing up tonight. That's what it means to learn how to follow the cloud of God. People that are constantly attentive to his presence in our, in our lives. We, we're not walking, we don't walk in and, 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 and we're, not, we're not wandering in our thoughts all the time. We're not worrying all the time. We're, we know how to focus on God. We know how to give him that moment, that time. We, we know how to keep him the center of everything. That's what he's wanting us to be consumed with. But listen, if you think it's bad now, friends, it's gonna get, it's gonna get even worse. But not for us, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. God is teaching us to follow him. He's giving us instructions. I was thinking about, um, you know how the Bible talks about waiting upon the Lord? Those who wait upon the Lord. I don't know about you, but the best picture I have of that is a waiter. <laughs> a wa you know, the waiter comes to your table and they, they we, Bridget and I went to this uh, restaurant. Somebody took us to this place, a place that we had never been to and have never been back to. It was called Canlis. Isn't that right? Canlis. Have anybody heard of this place? Okay, so somebody took us to this place. And uh, I, I mean, a little segue here. I probably would have been more happy at Subway, but I'm just saying. I just, just want to throw that. I know that might offend you, but that's probably not a good thing. You shouldn't get offended easily. But, but I, somebody took us there, and it was super sweet of them to do that. I had no idea what this place was, right? But then when you open the menu, and they've got, like, duck and all things I've never, you know, I used to throw bread at them at the, down at the slough where I lived. I never thought you ate them. I didn't, until we saw Duck Dynasty, it was a thing. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I, I come from a different world, people, okay? And so we're sitting there, and you have to, you have to wear, dress up a little nicer, which is totally cool. And um, one of the most interesting things about being at that restaurant that I had never encountered before was there's this tall sort of, uh, you know, like sheetrocked, uh, kind of bar area, and the waiters, they don't just come to your table like randomly. Like if you're a waiter in here, you'll probably do a great job. God bless you. Amen. But this is a whole nother level. This is like, there's this whole host of people standing behind this short wall, and they're literally paying attention to everything that happens at the table. And they've only got like two tables or however many, but they're, they're watching. They're just like, <laughs> it's almost, it's intimidating. You almost feel like moving a glass just to see what will happen, you know, just kind of like, what? but they were, they, you realize that there is a number of people watching you to see what you're doing at your table because it is their job. As long as they are there, it is their job to anticipate what you might need and what you, what you, where, what you need from them at that given time. And that's a very powerful example for what it would be like for you and I to be that consumed with the movement of God in our lives, to be attentive, to be watching, to be waiting, to be thinking, to be anticipating, 
to be desiring. It's literally why I'm here. I am here to anticipate the movement of God and what he wants. I am here to wait upon the Lord, not just to wait for the Lord, but what he wants is what I want. Where he's going is where I'm going. What he desires is what I desire. It's to wait upon the Lord. God, what do you want? Where, where do you want me to go? How can I serve you and bring you glory? See, we want him to wait upon us. He wants to turn that. He wants to shift that around. We're waiting upon him. Now, you may say that's not what that verse means. I like it better that way. Wait upon the Lord. When you think of waiting upon God, you think upon waiting upon him so something awesome comes to you. Come on, let's just be honest. But when you read the Bible, when people are struck with the person in the presence of God, sometimes they can't even stand in his presence. When the glory of God comes, people cannot stand in his presence. They can't. You're not, it's not possible. When a veil is torn back, you say, God, I want to see your glory. I want to know your presence. I would encourage you strongly, you better get to your knees before it happens. You better get there before it happens, because by the time he shows you something like that, friend, you, you don't have a chance of standing anymore. Sometimes people make fun of, you know, I have fun with it, but they'll, people will fall over under the power. Friend, sometimes you can't stand. I've had that. <laughs> I've been under the power of God so strongly, standing's not an option. It's just not. I can't explain that. I don't, I don't want to recreate that. <laughs> I don't want to manufacture that. I don't want to make that up, but I understand it. Where your knees buckle. I've been in, I mean, I've been in places sometimes where you, all of a sudden, the, the presence of God begins to descend, like his manifest presence, and your knees buckle automatically. And the next thing you're thinking of is, how can I get to the ground or a seat as quickly as possible? It, 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 there's something about encountering God, his person, his power, where you, you're undone. You're overwhelmed. You can't help but just be in awe and wonder. You can't describe it. You can't articulate it. Amen. You know, you can't. There's, there's no words for it. You're just overwhelmed. Pastor Ben, what is... God doing? I don't really fully know, but I do know he wants us to be consumed. He wants you to be consumed. Nothing less. And I want to pray for that tonight. I want to pray that our lives are just consumed with, just like we're looking at the cloud, we're anticipating, we're waiting. God, what are you doing? Not just for the answer, you know what I mean? But for the person. Not just for the thing I'm asking. I, I don't know how quickly you're, we're going to get that. But if we're consumed with the person of God and the presence of God, we will never lack anything. We will never miss anything. Because it's not some delivery system. It's not God's Amazon service that we're, that, that we're paying into. It's our prime account. What we're asking is for him and for his presence, and we get that all the time. But a lot of times we're paying attention to another thing. We're looking for another thing, and it can be a cloud without water that we're following. I, and as we're worshiping tonight, did I say 20 minutes, Jared? What, did I, what happened? I want to pray. I want to pray that we're consumed with the presence of God. You know, we don't, we're not having smoke shoot out at you right here, you know, and going to shine lights on you, but 
Have you ever had that? Have you ever had the presence of God touch you in such a way where there's, you're just undone? Why else would we come here tonight but for that? Do you want anything but that? I don't have anything else. I, don't, I can't even make that happen, but I can pray for it with you. Amen. Do you want that? I want that. That's what I'm asking for over here. As we're worshiping, I'm asking for that. I'm asking for that. We're like, you know, these guys are going to be up here worshiping where they can't play a note right. You understand? They're just, they can't, you know. That's a good meeting. But if you start paying attention to some natural thing, okay, you have to ask the Lord to help you. He wants to consume our mind and heart right now with something other than just natural things. So you've got to let that go. If you, if you came in with that, or even as you come into this room, if that's what you're focused on or if that's what you're waiting for, a natural thing, give that to the Lord. He wants to give you something so much bigger than that. And just a tidal wave overwhelms us with his glory. And we're just caught up. We're just caught up. And nobody can sell that. Nobody can buy that. Nobody can distribute that. You can't package that, but you can ask for it. You can ask for it. God, I want to encounter you in such a great way where I leave this place. I'm not the same. I'm just not. I'm just not the same. And it changes the way I think about something at home that I'm struggling with. And all of a sudden, it seems simpler. And as I'm praying for something that I don't have clarity on, all of a sudden, it seems clearer. Because I see you first and not just the thing. His glory and his presence. So would you pray with me for that tonight? And can we press in for that? Can we pray a little bit longer than a minute or two? Can we, can we all pray for that? Say, ask, ask for that to increase. The glory of the Lord. Come on. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. God, we need you, and we need you deeply, desperately. And I pray, Father, that your manifest presence would be something that we become more accustomed to. And Lord, where we're not focused, or we're not following the cloud of God, where we're not anticipating your mighty presence in our lives, Lord, we pray that you would shift our focus right now. God, I pray all over this room, all of our hearts, you would grip our hearts right now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Let your weighty presence come. Let the glory of God come in this place like we read about in the Bible. The temple was full of your glory. There were these places in the Bible where you filled that place with your glory. People couldn't stand in your presence. People couldn't speak in your presence. God, we pray, come tonight. Holy Spirit, come. We ask you for more. Give us a longing for you to be consumed with your presence. Come. Clear out these other things. Thank you, God. Now, we're just going to wait right here. We're going to hang out right here for however long. And just and it, come, Holy Spirit, come. God, we need you. Yeah. You settle all matters right now. You simplify it. You clarify it. Come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org. 
or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.